Welcome to the meeting place. My name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, today, as you heard on the preview, or if you didn't catch the preview on the way in, today is Sunday, Sunday, where a bunch of us are going to head down to the waterfront afterwards and eat ice cream. I'm excited about it, and I don't even like ice cream, uh, but it's just a chance to reconnect with people, make some new friends, and build community. So we hope you can join us for that. Your parking is covered until 2 p.m., so that's all taken care of. Hey, if you're just joining us, if we're in the middle of this series uh, called Locked Up, where we've been exploring the things in our lives that have the tendency or the potential to lock us up and keep us from living the life that God has for us. And last week, we looked at something that every single one of us has, a past. Today, as you can tell by the clip, we're looking at bitterness. Uh, it's interesting. If you look up that word bitterness... It has a long list of synonyms that describe this human emotion. Uh, here's just a few. Grudge, hatred, petulance, sourness, resentment, rancor, loathing, indignation. You know, some theorize that all these words came to be because bitterness is one of the least socially accepted emotions in English culture. Probably every culture, because who wants to be around somebody that's bitter? I mean, imagine this conversation. Hey, how you doing today? Oh, me? Got a lot of rage and resentment going on. You? I mean, you just... Why would you want to be around that? You know, I, I, was, I was thinking this week. You know, bit, bitterness were something... Uh, something physical, what would it look like? What would it feel like? And what came to mind for me was a piece of equipment that I used to use uh, when I was employed as a commercial diver, and it was a weight belt. Uh, I thought about bringing one in to show you, but the things are so darn heavy, I, you're just going to have to do with a picture. Um, now, the one in that picture, I don't know how much weight it has on it, but the one I had had 70 pounds of lead bolted to it, and it laid right across the small of my back. Um, I dreaded having to put this thing on day after day when I was at work. I mean, it, it was diabolical. I didn't enjoy it in any sense of the word. Because once this thing was wrapped around my waist, every movement became challenging. Just standing was tough. Turning around and swinging my leg over the side of the boat onto the ladder so I could get into the water, that was an adventure. And if you ever slipped and fell wearing one of these, the extra weight made it feel like you were being body slammed by the Hulk. And I, I know that by experience. The only thing I really enjoyed about that weight belt was knowing that at the end of the day, I could take that weight off and just drop and walk away. But here's the thing, as much as I loathe putting that weight belt on, it had a huge benefit for me. It made it possible for me to sink to the bottom of the ocean so I could walk around the ocean floor and do my job. So it's one thing to have to wear something like that when it's going to benefit you, but who would ever sign up to carrying something like that every day, something that's going to make life more challenging, something that's going to weigh you down and wear you out. 
That's why I think that the weight belt is a great picture of what bitterness is like and with that twist, you know, because again, the weight belt had a benefit for me and at the end of the day, I could take it off. But bitterness, resentment, man, it just weighs you down and there's zero benefit to you. And it stays with you day and night. It doesn't bring you happiness. I mean, nobody says to him or herself, you know, I can hardly wait to get up in the morning and pick up my resentment and carry it with me through the day. This is going to be an awesome day, just me and my resentment. I mean, who says that, right? But here's the thing. People do that every day. And it raises the question, why? I'm going to throw out a suggestion for you, and you can kind of roll it around. But here's what I I think. When we have been hurt or harmed or experienced an injustice of some kind, the anger, the animosity, the, the indignation that we feel helps justify our feelings of being hurt. Because it's not okay for someone to to just mistreat us unfairly. That's the very definition of bitterness. Anger at being treated unfairly. And so it's no wonder that nursing those feelings can be incredibly satisfying. Because it reminds us that we were the ones that were hurt. You know, there's something about righteous indignation that permits you and I to tell ourselves that we're the better person. But the truth is, ruminating over that anger, rolling it around, thinking about it, doesn't contribute to authentic joy. It will never make you a more happy person. The only thing it will do is reinforce and solidify your bitterness and lock you up. I don't know if you've ever heard of or read the newspaper advice columns, and you don't have to admit to this, just keep it to yourself, uh, from decades past, you know, Ann Landers, Dear Abby. Uh, did you know that those two ladies were actually twin sisters? I didn't know that. And more than that, they were twin sisters who for many, many years wouldn't speak to each other because of some unresolved conflict or resentment that they had. A newspaper ended up writing a story about it. It made news everywhere. And this guy wrote a story on it. And here's what he said. He said about these sisters sniping at each other. He said, it was the most feverish female feud since Elizabeth sent Mary, Queen of Scots, to the chopping block. They actually made a movie. I came across it. I I didn't watch it. Don't plan on watching it. But there's a movie out there. It came out in 2010. It might even be on Netflix under shows that are never watched, and you can watch it if you like. But isn't it amazing how, for decades, these two people who got more letters asking them for relational advice and how to fix relationships than anybody else were family members who refused to speak to each other for years. But I can understand that. You know, sometimes people who are friends, even family, get hurt. And they just drift apart. And often they never really talk about why. There's just 
a vacancy where there used to be a friend or a family member. And sometimes these people attend the same church, the same school, the same workplace, and they show up day after day, week after week, month after month, and harbor judgment and animosity in their heart towards that person. And when you hear it said like that, when you see it on a page, you think, how absurd is that? Like, how soap opera-ish? How childish? I mean, come on, we're adults. Let's get over it. But this, it runs deep. This, this thing, this bitterness, this resentment, this, this desire to get revenge has inhabited this planet since man has been on this planet. You know, there's a, a story in the Bible. It's about this really obscure character. Uh, you could say that he was the patron saint of the grudge. Uh, his name was Lamech. Uh, Lamech's story is found in the fourth chapter of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And it takes place just a couple of generations after the biblical account of the first humans created by God, Adam and Eve. Lamech was a descendant of one of Adam and Eve's sons, a guy named Cain. And to better understand Lamech's story, you have to understand a bit of Cain's story. Cain killed his brother. And because he had murdered his brother, Cain was afraid somebody would try and exact some revenge on him. And so God put a mark on him. We're not told what that mark is, but It seems like it was something that was visible to everyone because God said that that mark, whatever it was, would be a reminder that if anybody tried to take revenge on Cain, if anybody tried to kill him or did kill him, that person would be avenged seven times over. It's almost like this mark of Cain was a a warning for us because God saw that once the human race got a taste of and a desire for revenge, it would lead us to some very dark places. A couple of generations later, this Lamech guy is born, a descendant of Cain. And one day, we read that somebody hurts him. We don't know the details. We don't know if it was like a physical or if it was emotional or or what it was. But he gets hurt. He begins thinking about it. He just keeps rolling that event over and over in his head. And he gets angrier and angrier. And isn't that the way bitterness works? The more you think about it, the more you dwell on it, the more you nurse it, the more toxic it becomes. Lamech has finally had it. And so he decides to get even. And he goes out and he finds this guy. And he doesn't just find him. He kills him. And afterwards, he starts bragging about it to his wives. Here's what he said. He said, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me. A young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech will be avenged 77 times. Interesting. Basically what he's saying is, if you thought it was bad messing with Cain, that's nothing compared to messing with me. 
But he, he seemingly has no sense of guilt, no, no remorse. I mean, in his mind, he's absolutely justified in what he did. I mean, his enemy had it coming. And again, isn't that the way resentment works? I mean, I know I can justify how I feel if I linger on it long enough and get bitter about it. And I don't know if you noticed the math in there. 77 times, not seven. That's also how resentment works. It has an insatiable requirement, appetite for revenge, but it's never satisfied. It never says, you know, okay, you've suffered enough pain. I'm content now. It's never enough. And if you foster bitterness day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, eventually you will find that where you once had a heart of love for a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, brother, sister, friend, co-worker, you now have a heart of stone. You know, the joy... The spirit of generosity, the spirit of goodness and humility is slowly but surely squeezed out of you. And the sourness from all the hurt and anger begins to leak in to you and start showing up in all different areas of your life. You see, the lie that resentment tells us is that if we just reciprocate with some hurt of our own, that'll make everything okay. But that's not true. There's another way. A better way. God himself stepped down into the mess of humanity in the person of Jesus Christ to show you and I that better way. The better way in which we can respond to the hurt that we will experience at some point in this life. And it's one word. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. One day, uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, they're walking down the road, talking. And he asked him, he said, Master, how many times do I have to forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? And he throws out a number and he says, seven? Now, you've got to love Peter. Uh, Because he throws out a number that is more than double the amount of forgiveness that's prescribed by Jewish tradition at the time. And he figures he's being, you know, exceptionally generous with that. Especially in the light of the fact that he was the one that was hurt. I mean, he did say, you know, how how many times do I have to forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? And I'm sure he's expecting Jesus is going to say... You know, with the old golf clap. Way to go, Peter. That's awesome, man. You're going to forgive them seven times? I'm impressed. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus replied, he said, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Jesus didn't just pull an arbitrary number out of the air. Jesus knew the Bible. Inside and out, backwards and forwards. 
he chose that number very deliberately. And he does a beautiful thing in doing it. Because he reverses the law of Lamech that has been in operation ever since the downward spiral of the human race. In effect, what Jesus is saying is, Peter, if you want to, when you, when you are hurt in some way, you can follow in the footsteps of Lamech and you can carry a grudge, harbor resentment, look for revenge. You can do that if you want to. Or you can follow me in the way I've prescribed for you to deal with your hurt. And you can choose forgiveness. What was true for Peter back then is true for us today. We have a choice. But if we want to break free from the prison of resentment and bitterness, it requires us letting go of the anger and the animosity and the resentment that we so love to hang on to. But it's not easy, is it? Forgiveness... Very simple in its concept, but it's not easy. You know, maybe you're here and there's somebody you've had financial dealings with in the past and they ripped you off. And they put you in financial ruin. Or you have an ex-spouse that's raked you over the coals. You have a family member who slandered you, who did you some harm and damaged your reputation. Or you have a friend that you thought was a friend, but... They said things about you or to you that absolutely just crushed you. And now there's that thing inside you that says, no way, not a chance. There is no way they're getting a free pass. We can convince ourselves quite easily that withholding forgiveness searching out to even the score, to get some payback. We can convince ourselves that that is the key that will open the door to freedom. But the reality is, that perspective, that mindset, that resolve, isn't the key. It's the lock. I met with a guy this week, Hadn't seen him in a while, and he called up, and he said, Hey, how would you like to get together for coffee? I'd like to, you know, just chat with you. And I said, Sure. So I met him at the Buzz. And he told me he was working through step nine of the 12 steps, which is all about making amends. And he was sharing with me how he had made his list of all the people that he had harmed, felt he had harmed, or he felt, you know, harmed him. And he said it was a long, it was like 200 names on this list and I just I just looked at him and said dude man I, I I gotta tell you I admire your courage and your your willingness to to step into that and do that because I can't even begin to imagine how hard it must be and he said to me he says you know what it is it's the most difficult thing I've ever done but I have to do it if I want to experience any kind of healing and then he said this He says, the biggest thing I have learned through this step, the most humbling part, has been coming to see how my justified bitterness toward my family, my friends, and my co-workers 
only resulted in one thing, my isolation. Man, it would have been good if he'd said it locked me up or imprisoned me because it would have fit so well. But isolation, it's the same thing, isn't it? Locked up by yourself. Bitterness, anger, animosity, resentment, rancor, indignation, whatever you want to call it, whatever name we choose to use for it, it all ends up in the same place. It's unhealthy, and it leads nowhere good. And maybe that's why we're reminded in the Bible to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And how do we do that? By being kind to each other, tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. There is no miracle in this world like the miracle of forgiveness. None. And forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door to the freedom and the healing that we so desire. And when we stop to remember the forgiveness that has been extended to us, when we embrace the truth of God's love and forgiveness for us, something very profound happens. A shift takes place here in our heart. It's a shift that allows us to move from not just being a recipient of God's forgiveness, but being able to share and extend God's forgiveness to others. You know, I don't, I don't know where you're at with this whole topic on bitterness or resentment this morning. Uh, maybe as you've listened, some things have come up for you. I don't know. Uh, maybe you're just still battling through that. Or maybe you've had a victory in that area. I don't know. Uh, but wherever you're at, like if, if you want to, if, if something's been stirred up and you want to talk about it more, we've got an awesome team of people at the back of the room, right by the prayer sign, that would love to meet with you, talk with you, pray with you, walk with you. Uh, so I, I would in, encourage you to take advantage of that uh, because that's what this is all about. This is why we do this together so we can link arms and walk together, journey together because it's a cruel world out there and we can do it together. And I would encourage you, I'm just so, we're so glad that you're here doing it. I, I know I'm glad that you're here with me, walking with me. Um, so again, I don't know where you're at with that, but there's a better way and it's through the forgiveness that was extended to us and we can extend to others. And I would invite you to, to pray. God, resentment and anger, sometimes they just, it feels so good to just hang on to that because it helps us justify how we're feeling. But we humbly ask that you would help us to forgive those who have hurt us, whether emotionally or physically or mentally, because it's hard. Far easier to have people pay for the hurts that they've caused. But we know that's not the answer. 
That doesn't bring the freedom that we're looking for, searching for, longing for. That freedom is only found in one place, and that place is you. So help us to remember that we too are forgiven. And it's from that reality, that truth, that we are empowered to extend that forgiveness to others, even when we think they don't deserve it, because the truth is none of us deserve it, and that's why it's called grace. And we thank you for it, and we thank you that you love us. We pray this in your awesome name. Amen.